Hello and welcome back. Thank you for uh, joining us once again on Tin the Chamber, a Studio Trigger retrospective podcast. I am City here along with Marshmallow and Eros, if you're continuing from the last episode. And we are here to talk about episode two of Killer Kill. Titled So Sexy She Might Pass Out. Yes, quite literally. <laughs> and the, the, the beginning of the episode definitely uh, goes to that. Or Suketsu basically tells her, you go, hey, you're going to pass out in like three minutes. <laughs> you better fucking go. And Ryuko does escape. We were talking a lot about in the last episode about the tonal shifts and how certain scenes uh, can be uncomfortable for some people. This is definitely one of them. Yeah, I don't think there's much to say. It's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. But we are introduced uh, to the family of Mako, a character that we did not really talk about in the first episode. How could we? How could we? I mean, she's, you know, one of the one of the important characters. Um, I know Marshall was talking to me earlier that, you know, she has opinions about Mako. Yeah. I do have opinions about Mako. They're, they're probably a little controversial. <laughs> I don't know. No, if this... Don't you just... My baby, no! <laughs> um, it's just... And I guess it goes with the tonal shifts, too. Is because she's such a gag character... And I feel like that's a big missed opportunity. I wish that she got more to do. And this will come up more in, like, later episodes and especially the game. But, like, I, I feel like she could have had a more serious role than she does. And it's, it's kind of disappointing to me that she doesn't really get a more serious role. There's, like, only, there's only, like, tiny bits of it. But maybe that's controversial. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here we already established, like, well, Mako almost kind of establishes herself already to be Ryuko's kind of only, well, human friend in this case, for the moment. Well, I mean, at this point, uh, Ryuko and Senketsu still not really kind of sure how to feel about each other. Um, but for mm. the moment, uh, Mako is kind of the one that attaches herself to Ryuko and just say, like, we're friends. We're, we're besties. This is already seen not just in you know them hanging out in school, but now Yuko's living with uh, with her family. Yeah, and and this actually goes into what I was saying about her being a gag character. But a lot of people, are, I don't know how true this is anymore, but I remember reading in the past that a lot of people didn't really like Mako. They saw her as a gag character who totally ruined the tone and the seriousness of the show, or however much seriousness there is. But they really came to like her after reading um, Sushio. He's the character designer for the show. Um, his his Mako story, or Mako Monogatari, which is included in his art book, um, uh, Sushio Club, Love, Love, Kill, Kill. <laughs> and that, and it's not really a spoiler, I don't think, but it goes over like Mako's sad child and how alone she was, and then how she meets Ryuko, and like things brighten up, and, and she's not so alone anymore. And that really humanized her and made people really care more for her, and I wish we got more of that. Yeah. In the show itself, yeah. because I disagree. Yeah, I th yeah, I think yeah, yeah, because because the show is from Ryuko's perspective, and we just follow her throughout throughout the show. Um, you know, we, mm -hmm. we are kind of I think we're kind of supposed to have like a similar reaction to how Ryuko does. Or like, who is this annoying girl that mm -hmm. keeps throwing herself at me, literally? You know, and mm -hmm. but then you know, but you do see that you know Mako does have like a, a kindness to her that that comes from somewhere you know cuz it's cuz not cuz not anyone would just not only kind of just throw themselves you know at you to be like your best friend but to literally give you like a, a roof over your head and like to bring you in like despite the fact that you're just this stranger that came in um but mm -hmm. also because you know she saved her life so it's like you know 
So it's like, I feel like even if, you know, she didn't like, you know, like kind of do that out of like, even if Ryuko didn't do that out of kindness, because she, she could have very much just let Mako get, you know, burned in oil from the previous episode, mm-hmm. but she didn't because she doesn't want to see innocent people get hurt. That's something from from Ryuko's heart that we talked about in the last episode mm-hmm. that Ryuko shows kindness to to a lot of people in in very little ways. Yeah, I kind I kind of had a dark thought. Like, what was Ryuko's plan if she, if she didn't have like housing? Because she just went to Honoji Academy like j- just by herself. Was she just just gonna slum it out in the streets or? Probably, because I think, I want to say it was implied, I think a bit later on, that uh, she basically almost lived her life like that since uh, since her dad died. Was that yeah. she kind of was alone, basically became a vagabond for a bit. Yeah, I don't remember exactly where it was said. It might have been at the Complete Script book event um, many years ago now. Um, but they, I think Nakashima said that she was going from high school to high school looking for the woman with the scissor blade. And so I don't think she had a stable place to live. She might have been living in hotels or something. I don't know how much money she had. Like Probably she not. buys a lemon in the first episode, so mm. she has some money. So maybe yeah. she's just staying in hotels or like or just some or, back alleys, yeah, something like that. You no, know, does she get a lot of sleep in general? You know, like <laughs> yeah. like like how long had it been since she had like slept like inside of like a like a, a household? like this even if it is yeah. kind of like a bit basically like a like a like a rundown shack for the most part it's still something probably more mm-hmm. than what she had had before uh, yeah one thing i do really love about episode two is that we get a flashback to Ryuko's first meeting with sankets and i i really i love i really like this scene we like yeah so, <laughs> so can i guess yeah for a second? go, go, <laughs> go I, ahead can go i guess yes so, please do so so ryoko's in this odd household she thinks these people are weirdos they're trying to and you know the men in the house and the dog are really gross to her and everyone's falling asleep around her but she's still up she has all this stuff on her mind like there's so much going on there's so much information being loaded into her head and she can't sleep, and she like looks over to Senkets, who's hanging up, you know, on the closet beside her, and she's like, "Hey, are you awake?" And she wants to talk to him, and it just gets to me so much that she, she's just, she's this lonely girl, and she's in this weird place, and she wants to talk to this weird talking shirt to like <laughs> spill her feelings out to. And yeah. of course yeah, he's asleep, but it just it gets my heart. So yeah, just yeah, like <laughs> like you like you said, every, all these things happening to Ryuko, like just all at once, you know, just mm-hmm. you know, getting like this new like you know, basically power in a sense, like mm-hmm. being being like brought into someone's home and like sleeping with like blankets and everything. So it's like there's probably a lot going through her head at this point, and like you know, she could she could like ask anyone or like, talk to anyone about this. She could have talked to Mako or to Mako's mom. Definitely not her dad or brother or the dog, you know. <laughs> but but the first but the first like you know person that she that she kind of wants to talk to about all this to try and f- figure out what's going on is Senketsu. I just absolutely love it. And Senketsu's voice actor Toshihiko Seki, he once said about them that they both met each other and they said, "I want to know you." Because when we go to this flashback, we see that Senketsu doesn't know anything more than Ryuko goes. And I guess I could go on my little tangent here. 
a little bit because I really hate the Senkets' Ishin or Ryuko's dad theory or that she, he's like her father. I really, really dislike it. I'm sorry if other people That's find, okay. um, you know, like really resonate with that but it really rubs me the wrong way for a lot of reasons of course yeah but but i think this scene really moves away from that reading because sanketsu isn't a wise father figure he doesn't know any more than ryuko does he doesn't have his memory he's lost he doesn't even know his own name does he have a name you know (laughs) so he's he's he doesn't know any more than she does he's not a mentor and I, and that, that's why I really like what Toshihiko Seki said. I want to know you. I want to know you because when we know each other, we can we can better yeah. know ourselves and what's going on. They're both strangers mm-hmm. to this new like you know situations mm-hmm. happening, and like they're yeah. both sort of on the same playing field. You know, with, with Mako, yeah. she only knows like so much, but Ryuko and Seketsu start at like that same playing field. So it's like, yep. I want to know you so we can work together and figure all this out. Yeah, I yeah. want to know you, and so Which, wait, I can I can figure myself out, would, and I, yeah. I just I think <laughs> I think Toshihiko Seki even said I think it like limits it to put it into words, but it's love. Like it's just it's just love that I want to know you because knowing you will like help me know myself better. Like oh, I'm sorry, I sound like such a fangirl. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. You're cool. But I, I just sweet. I just love them, and I love the song that's playing in the background. Like this part of the song is only played in one other episode besides this it's just like there's like a choir it just sounds so grand and it, it, it and to me it is because to me this is the inciting incident this is what i love about killer kill this is what draw drew me in and i know i'm a weirdo but, yeah, and, and it'd be so nice if this just, scene uh, was with the scene we got instead of yeah, what happened in episode know. one it would yes, be so much better yes, it would be I so know. better if that's it's what so we first good. saw but no, unfortunately. It's so good and so cute, and she gives him a name, and he was so happy. This came out in, like, additional materials, but he was so happy she gave him a name that he wrote the name on his tag, which was blank oh, before. I, I, don't, just, I don't remember that. That, that is adorable. That's great. I love that. Obviously, the introduction that they had in the first episode is not mm-hmm. great. You know, it's, it's, it's bad. Just, just in general, bad. But here, you know, it's great. The beginning mm-hmm. of like their of their relationship going forward. This yeah, is and I think it's I think it's so sweet. It really cements them as equals and partners to me, which I think is really important in the coming episodes. That it's not he knows more than her and he, he's guiding her along. No, they're figuring it out together. And I think that's a really important part of the show. And I, I won't get into spoilers, but I think that's a really important part of the show. And I really yeah. like how that's cemented here. That he's just as clueless as Ryuko is, and they have to figure it out together <laughs> right <laughs> um and then going back to kind of uh, what we were talking about earlier with uh, understanding more about what's going on at the school why things are the way they are and we here we also get uh the next uh club leader for Ryuko to try and take down being the tennis club mm-hmm. member uh Hakodate. I really like her design she's her design's fantastic it's great she's already just um one of the most memorable characters in the show the fucking oh, the tennis ball dress skirt thing. Are you <laughs> kidding me? That's so like it's, that's so big brain. I love that. It's, it's, fan, it's fantastic. I'm pretty sure I've seen a a couple like cosplays of like people using literal actual tennis balls 
under the skirt like that and it's just it's such a <laughs> such a cool design to kind of go to you know it's such a same she, she doesn't show up that much afterwards she, she does this episode. is this is her own like she, she'll show up like as like little cameos going forward but like this is her episode she's the you know the the bad the big baddie here at least just for this for this point um, also like mako was in her club too i, I was like oh i kind of i kind of want to know more about mako's time in the club yeah and i, I think i think what Marshall was saying earlier about uh like mako's backstory and everything like uh, i think sushio did draw like mako picking up tennis balls like uh um, yeah stuff but like that. The, but there was a hole in the basket where she was picking up the tennis balls and so they're all falling out yeah while she's trying to pick them up Which... and she gets beat up on the face yeah. so she had a hard time in the tennis club and she didn't have any friends there yeah yeah literally the only quote-unquote friends she really had but i think she knew that they weren't really like her friends but she doesn't she doesn't really have anywhere else to go because she's it's just better in, than nothing that's yeah, it's better than what she thought. It's better than nothing, and again, that goes no. back to just like you know, kind of how tragic Mako's story is before meeting Ryuko, mm -hmm. as just yeah. someone who just um, you know just still hangs out with people that don't treat her right because it's better than being by herself because that's what mm -hmm. she's already been through for most of her childhood. But here now, Ryuko is her, her best friend. She's here hanging out with her now, and she can protect her from from the from the tennis club. Or at least she tries to, but Ryuko unfortunately also gets her ass kicked here. And even though she does get beat up, she's uh, brought to um, to I guess the teachers' lounge. I want to say. <laughs> I know that's like a, probably a better term for it, but uh. it just where is this actually? I thought it was just like his house. I th I th but I, I guess I it's by the school. So it is a school. Sure. So I think it is the yeah. teachers' lounge. Oh, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna okay. call the teachers' lounge, uh, oh. where we uh, meet uh, with the with the blue haired teacher that we saw in the first episode, and we learn his name uh, as uh, Mikisugi, and he one of the uh, several infamous scenes in the show. Oh yes, everybody. If you, if you haven't seen it, you probably have, but like haven't actually seen it, but of, he just uh, starts he just starts stripping as he gives like a monologue. He is he's giving exposition as to re telling Ryuko basically kind of the rundown of what's kind of happening while stripping down for absolutely no reason. At least at this oh, point, yes. it's for no reason. And everyone's like, "What?" what the fuck <laughs> and admittedly yeah, at first in this scene happened i, I was laughing because it's like this is fucking ridiculous and dumb it just feels like yeah and and it's definitely like a was a big time meme for a while there's so many redraws of like with different characters into this scene you know just because it's just so ridiculous <laughs> exactly yeah. also we learned that ryugo is scared of needles so, like, if mm -hmm. any of the villains had known that, then they would have gotten the upper hand on her. Yeah, I mean, well, well one person Shorter definitely <laughs> took advantage of that, I think. We'll get to that. Um, Uh-oh. But uh, basically, Mikisugi tells uh, Ryuko that, hey, you know, I like I knew your dad. or I think that was later on. But basically, it kind of lets her know, like, hey, I know, like, you're, oh, you were trying to, like, get uh, your uniform to react, right? And takes out her blood and puts it on Saketsu mm. who comes to life <laughs> because he needs blood. That's the only way yeah. he comes alive, <laughs> at least for now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
And like I, I love I love how like Senketsu just like immediately just wakes up. He's like, I need blood, I need blood, give me more, give me more. And then just kind of freeze for a moment and uh, just looks at Ryuko, just like Ryuko. <laughs> like very just not not caring that he was like basically like just basically woke up like and just reacted like that. Just I, I really like that 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 he instantly calms down as soon as he sees her because um I mean maybe I'm reading too much into it but he doesn't want to like hurt her like he did in the first episode anymore because be- he likes her now yeah he's he's being more being <laughs> he knows more, her be, being more aware yeah. and like yeah you know be, being more sensitive to how Ryuko's kind of feeling because he sees that she's panicked and confused and mad so he's just like oh, okay what happened. <laughs> Um, also, this might just be a me thing, but I think it's interesting that Sankets, um drinks blood. Maybe it relates to um, Oni in Japanese mythology, or I guess you could translate it as demons or ogres. Um, they're cannibals, and they have little horns on their heads, and they yeah. wear tiger skin loincloths. I don't know if it's intentional yeah, I, or I what, think, but I think, it I think was, you could read some of that into it. I think it was to a degree, because you see, like... Because Rico um, does have little horns when she transforms, and she has yeah. little things. And, yeah, and like, <laughs> and, like, Senketsu, like, um... I think like like the, the lapels that he like has like I think it's like a bug's mm-hmm. eye or something. They kind of like look like horns in a sense, and like the way his yeah. mouth uh-huh. is when he moves mm-hmm. uh, is you know it's very yeah. sharp and very like reminiscent yeah. of like a oni of like what people yeah. think of when they think of like an oni mask or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you could read other things into the blood that I don't like to read into it, <laughs> but you, <laughs> but I like I like the oni thing. I think that's interesting because I, I I just I really like that. That's mm-hmm. just that's just a me thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I think I was watching this episode uh, with uh, with my girlfriend uh, Naomi, uh, and she and she said to, and she said as this scene was happening, uh, if I had a nickel for every anime girl whose powers involve blood, I'd have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. I think she was also I think she was also referring to uh, the main character from uh, Beyond the Boundary. Uh, if you remember her, oh, the, the yeah. pink glasses girl who like made a sword with her blood and everything. I, mm-hmm. I should watch the show again. It's really good. Yeah, so basically Ryuko also gets uh, the glove that was attached to Sakesu, which, how did she not know that glove was there? Because it seemed like like Mikasugi just kind of pulled it out from under the sleeve. I don't know if he had that the whole time. Is it really made clear as to where that came from? It was there the whole time. You do get a flashback later, I think, where you see um, Ikuro find him, and you can see the glove poking out of the sleeve when he finds Senkat. So okay. I think the glove was always there. I don't know why Ryuko didn't put it on or use it, but maybe she's like me. I don't like gloves. I don't know if it's May- just like... Maybe. Uh, the- like I-, I don't like having too much fabric or things on me. <laughs> so <True. laughs> maybe she's like that. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, yeah, and the and the way the glove works, as we see later when she gets to uh, to do the the big fights uh, with uh, Hakodate, mm. uh, the glove is va- it's like a little like needle, and I th- believe the way it's uh, the way I think it works, the way I'm reading into it is that it literally cuts her wrist to break the blood out and awaken Sagetsu, mm. which <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I that's kind of how I'm seeing it. I know that's a bit dark to kind of read it that way but i don't really know how else to think of it 
some people are I, I mean yeah some people do see it that way but i think it just uh releases a pin that just takes the blood and it's not yeah. anything more okay okay i like that more sure either i like that i like i like that idea more i don't really know it's, it's kind of like overly complicated especially as you see in later episodes that they don't really seem to need it so. yeah because yeah because because uh, then when the when the transformation sequence hits like the, the needle does go and then takes the blood from that that makes more sense that makes a lot more sense i'm glad yeah. that that, that's <laughs> I can kind of not have yeah. that thought in my head anymore because it's uh, I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if I should bring this up, but there was like a really co- controversial Kotaku article back when the show was airing about how Killer Kill glorifies oh, wrist slitting because of that. Oh, so, I remember oh. that. Oh, I, <laughs> oh, I hate. I I blocked that fucking that article out of my mind. Oh, I I not remember. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Fucking hate it. God damn it. Why does Kotaku make horrible articles? I literally saw an article today that they put uh, about Metroid Dread that said Samus does not need to be like an emotionless robot to be badass. I'm like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> She's not! Shut up this, this clickbait. <laughs> shut up by your clickbait! Get out of here! <sighs> <sighs> but yeah, that's that's there. Um Eryoka has the big um I like I like how they did the the battle she had with Hakodate here, where she basically they have a tennis match. Ryuko kind of has to play by by their rules because you know it's it's their club or their school so and she's like an opposing force so they gotta so she has to play by their rules in order to kind of make this an, an even like playing field you know yeah. it's I, li- I like the creativity that Ryuko has when because uh, they give her a tennis racket at first but she's literally too powerful to use the racket properly and it keeps mm-hmm. breaking and just she, she's gonna end up losing the match which what would have even happened if you go actually lost the tennis match would she just, just said like fuck it and just like go ahead and just do a normal fight like what would have happened i don't, I don't know i, don't, I, <laughs> I mean like did that happen anyway <laughs> i mean it did but it's like it was still within the grounds of a tennis it, match. it was still unquote. tennis kind of even even though uh Sanagayama, who's here because he is the the sports like head and everything yeah. is and overseeing the rules he does so much like just like you know fall to Ryuko or like give her like basically penalties every time she's not playing by the rules until Satsuki comes out and basically just says nah let, let her let her do it let her let her let her play how she wants see, see what happens because you know yeah. she's the big boss wants to see how things go I love how Hakadate says that when Ryuko uses the scissor blade as a as a racket she's like that's not regulation and like she's using this giant crazy <laughs> the using this like is that regulation big fucking big racket that's like got spikes and everything and like um I don't I don't know if the strings are probably made of life fibers I don't think they are uh, but definitely not made of normal like tennis yeah. like string or whatever they use for that. Mm. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're made of light fibers, I think. Are they? I, I th- yeah, I'm looking at an image and it looks like they're made of light, but kind of like like they're a little like off model. Mm-hmm. They kind of look like like blood veins. Mm. A little bit, yeah, because 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 my Ryuko um, basically takes the the stitching from like from Senketsu from like her skirt and uses and ties it around the um, the hole in her like or the handle on her scissor blade and uses it like that, which I mean it's I mean we know later on in the show and like uh, Senketsu does get torn up a little bit. How, I wonder how that feels when it gets basically like unthreaded. Does that feel like? <laughs> Maybe like I don't like I don't know what the equivalent of that would be like getting your hair pulled out or something. 
Yeah, I was say like, like my man, my man just got like a piece of him like ripped off for a racket. Like, say, kids, are you good? I I mean, it's fine. I mean, (laughs) I feel. I I don't know. I want to say it's almost like falling on a nose hair or something. Ow, that ow, that hurts. Yeah, it hurts, but like you know, it's just a little pinch, you know. Really long (laughs) nose hair. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that. Though, because uh, Rico is really, I think it's just that she's smart. I think a lot of people see her as like not very smart, maybe very, because she's hot headed. But yeah, I thought that was really a smart thing to do. Like, hey, I have this string that I can use to make a tennis racket. She's really smart. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she, she's 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 a fast thinker. She's she res- yeah, she's resourceful. <laughs> she's street smart, definitely. You mm-hmm, know, yeah. in, in that in that sense, you know. So really cool how how uh, she she does that. Um, so Ryuko beats uh, Hakodate uh, and gets uh, um, uh, this happened in the last episode with the with the boxing guy. Which I keep forgetting his name, uh, but with uh, with Hakodate, uh, the little little life fiber machine comes in and absorbs into uh, into Senketsu. What's that all about? We'll find out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now Satsuki comes in uh, from from her tower and. Again, this little detail of Satsuki that I love is that the stairs that she comes down always retracts whenever like she she comes off of them, <laughs> and I just kind of wonder how long that takes to, to, for it to fully <laughs> come out. Does she have to wait for it to re- to like come back out again to walk to her tower? <laughs> again, these these little things like details should not matter and you don't really need to think about them but it is just kind of funny to think about it a little bit <laughs> yeah it is uh and basically he's like all right you know what you're you're strong let's fight right now and satsuki is about to fight riko but senketsu tells riko hey you're gonna pass out in like a minute or like three minutes so you better get this done fast if you're gonna do this and riko has to retreat again unfortunately <laughs> uh which again more uh, again, more ways that this episode is just kind of setting up Satsuki to to be on you know, the main rival and to like kind of like put her on like a higher level than Ryuko, not just kind of in status, but just in like the raw power. Like earlier in the episode, where we see um, Satsuki uh, drinking tea uh, with uh, with her with her butler, um, she, uh, he asks her um, why that she, why she doesn't have a Goku uniform like the Elite Four do, and she says that she only needs her sword. And he comments that no no uniform is good enough for you, Lady Satsuki. And that quote is so important, <laughs> especially for the next episode. Um, but the way I kind of uh, I, I the way I kind of think of how they're building up Satsuki here reminds me a lot of um, of how uh, in Devil May Cry three. Uh, how Dante's brother Virgil is already set up from the beginning and throughout the game to just kind of be this big rival fight as you go on. Um, because for, there's kind of there's a little there's some parallels here. Of course, probably not intentional. I don't know. Um, between uh, the beginning of that game where Dante coming out of like his destroyed like um, business that he's just opened up, looking up at this big tower that's like suddenly. Uh, risen and his brother Virgil looking down at him and already like uh, literally physically higher than him uh, but also uh, at that point you had fought a very powerful enemy that was considered a boss and then in the cutscene after that fight Virgil fights that same boss that you were and takes it down in one hit 
just with no effort and that <laughs> already sets up the power dynamic from the beginning between you and your rival for that for that game and so i think that's just a it's, it's just a really cool way to build up like a rival or an antagonist in that way to just show how big the power gap is between them mm. yeah i agree yeah because just because like um i think even sasuke just like taking out her sword just like the almost like just the raw energy of it is just kind of enough to push people back <laughs> i think that's yeah. i think that's what happened here um mm -hmm. just already making her like just so powerful enough that ryuko could not possibly try to fight could not could not win if she tried to fight her at that moment that's kind of a lot for episode two kind of coming almost a little bit coming off the high that episode one gives off with just so much kind of already happening there but here it's like there's still a lot happening but it is kind of slowing down to kind of let let the audience breathe and absorb kind of what's happening and try to further like uh understand what exactly is going on with with the setting and with the story and um, speaking of the setting like and speaking of spikes because he mentioned spikes there, there are spikes in their uh, tennis uh, courtyard or whatever, and yeah. like skeletons in those spikes. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, there were uh, there were okay. skeletons. Yeah, okay. um, if it's not clear at this point, uh, it's very clear that um, a lot of the uh, the clubs and like and uh, a lot of the clubs and sports teams of uh, of the school very much uh, just very brutal in how they're uh, basically handling the competition when they have when they go to like other schools to like do like events or competitions and stuff like that you know very and that and that's very much uh, intentional they want you to notice that because you know they are basically planning for this this takeover of like of schools all over Japan so again very just, it's very dark or the, the the setting just has very dark undertones that are not really undertones they're very much out in the open <laughs> but it's kind of hard to focus in on them when uh, you're paying attention to what's happening with like the main cast but yeah i think that will do it for episode two thank you for listening please tune in to uh the next episode where we talk about uh episode three but until then thank you for listening and we'll see you in a bit